Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine, Massachusetts. So grateful that you're tuning in and watching and listening wherever you may be. We appreciate that. Hope you receive a blessing today, wherever you are. We're going to finish the uh, final chapter of the Apostle Paul's first letter to his uh, young pastor, Timothy. And the title of this message will be Godliness with Contentment. Godliness with contentment, and I'm going to ask Joe to come and read the whole chapter, chapter 6. Good morning. Hopefully everybody's doing well on this beautiful day. We're on page 1850. Chapter 6. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and the dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teachings, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who want to think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing unto the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and the trap that may into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, goodness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made good confession on the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge to you, keep this command without spot or blame unless the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed, only ruler, king of kings and lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in the unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in his in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so when they may take hold of this life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from the godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. Praise God for his word. Thank you. So there's a lot, uh, a lot of different subjects in this final chapter, which we hope to finish, cover today. We'll finish the book of 1 Timothy, the letter from the Apostle Paul. Just uh, actually the question uh, for first, say if you woke up one day, and you realize that everything has been taken away. Everything that you ever owned is completely gone. I wonder how we would feel about that. Just think about that for a minute. You wake up and everything that you know and that you have or had is completely gone. All right, this final chapter, the young pastor Timothy, a lot younger than Paul, he's probably about 30 years old, was Timothy. There's three different subjects, some we've already covered, uh, but there's a new one regarding slaves, number one, false teachers that we've covered quite extensively. We're not going to go into greater detail than we already have. And the main theme of this last chapter is contentment. Contentment. Are you content? Can you say that you are content? Well, let's find out. Number one, it's on the subject of slaves. Paul advises Timothy to teach those Christian slaves to honor their owners to honor their masters. Why? So that their unsaved slave owners can see the difference that Jesus has made in the lives of his slaves so that they can be drawn to Christ and be saved. Likewise, the Christian slave owners, the masters, are to behave in a manner which is worthy, that brings glory to God by treating their unsaved slaves well, treating them with respect and dignity. Why? 
so that they too can come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior by their testimony, by their lifestyle. Now in verses 3 through 5, Paul emphasizes again the need for sound teaching. We've gone into this extensively. And he warns again regarding these false teachers that are divisive, but truth unifies. Amen? Truth unifies. Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. See, false teachers, they contradict what the Bible says. That makes them false teachers. Amen? Amen. By professing it, some have strayed from concerning the faith. So they were part of the church at one time, but they went astray and now were teaching lies that contradicts what the word of God teaches. And Paul commands in verse 5, what? From such, withdraw yourself. Withdraw yourself. In other words, don't associate with them. Is that clear? Clear as crystal, isn't it? That's what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now the final subject, which will take a little longer, is the subject of contentment. Contentment. What does contentment mean? A state of happiness and satisfaction. A state of happiness and satisfaction. Are you happy and satisfied this morning? Verse 6 through 8. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. If we believe that being godly is great gain, then it would change the way we live. Contentment comes from having godliness, not material possessions. Have you discovered that yet? Or how much we've got in our bank account? How much money would it take to make you happy? How much? Billionaire J.D. Rockefeller admitted, it's wrong to assume men of immense wealth are always happy. There is nothing in this world that can compare with the Christian fellowship Nothing that can satisfy but Jesus Christ. J.D. Rockefeller, billionaire. That was back in the 30s. Must be a multi-multi-billionaire if he was alive today. If our satisfaction is not knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, then nothing will ever be enough to satisfy us. Only Christ can satisfy us. Most people are looking for something outside of themselves to bring them satisfaction. But contentment is an inside job. It doesn't come from the outside. It's an inside job. It comes from godliness. 
There is no virtue in being poor. But as long as our basic needs are met, that should satisfy us. Amen? If our basic needs are met, that should satisfy us. That's number four in your hand now. If we believe that, when we believe that, we'll treat our resources as a servant, not as a master. To be content is to be satisfied, Paul says. I have learned. See, he had to learn it. didn't come naturally. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. He wrote that in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, 4, verse 11. We live, a, live in a culture of discontentment. If I only had this, you know, if I only had that, then I'd be happy. Would they? No. It's a lie. They're deceived. True contentment comes from godliness of heart, not wealth in the hand. Do you need to say that again? True contentment comes from godliness of heart, not wealth in the hand. We say, well, I like a few, few dollars more. Like the movie, you know, a few dollars more. And then I'll be content. Contentment comes having the perspective of the eternal, not the temporal. Said in verse 7, we came into naked into this world and surely we're going to leave everything behind. Everything behind. I often use uh, Elvis Presley as an example. And if you've ever been to Graceland in Tennessee, I went there once and you do the tour and everything. Everything that he ever owned, he left behind. He left behind. Just like the rest of us, we'll leave everything behind. We have to have the perspective of the eternal, not the temporal. Having this eternal perspective frees us, frees us up from anxiety. It frees us up from depending on things or circumstances to make us happy. You know, when we look back on our life, will we say, will, will we be able to say that we put God first in our life? Or something else? Did we put God first above everything else? Can we say that? So I'd like to encourage you with the time that we've got left on planet Earth to invest your time and resources wisely that furthers the kingdom of God. Instead of leaving your possessions, your wealth, 
to your unsaved relatives to waste on themselves, leave it to the church of the living God or an evangelical missionary organization. And that's putting good investments into the kingdom of God. Don't leave all your resources to heathens that are going to waste it upon themselves. It says in verse 8, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. That should satisfy us. You know, if we've got a roof over our head, and there's many people that don't have roofs over there. I was looking at a, a very sad um, documentary last night. People in England, the bank repossessed their house. There was a lady that got, her husband left her. She's got, she had cancer. Nice guy. He left her when he, he was needed the most. She wasn't able to pay the bills, the mortgage payments, and the bank repossessed their house. And these people are out on the street. Some people that were rich, and then they had the crash in 2008, was it? They're living on the park. And they had everything materially prior to this happening. This is reality, folks. This is reality. Very, very sad. Another couple, he got six kids. Again, couldn't pay the bills, couldn't pay the mortgage payments. The bank repossessed the house. They're living in this one-room apartment with fleas and everything. This is today. This is reality. We need to pray for the homeless people, not condemn them. It's beyond their control. Things happen beyond their control and ability to pay the bills. And the banks have got more than enough. But do they help these poor people? No. All they're concerned about is the almighty dollar, the almighty pound. In Britain's case, yeah, they still use the pound. So I encourage you to invest wisely because you're going to leave it all behind. And so am I. We could be tent, content with food on the table, content with the clothes that we wear, content with a roof over our heads. We must learn to be content with life's basic necessities. If you want to invest for eternity, then serve the Lord while you've still got breath with your resources, finances, your time, and your God-given abilities. Instead of trying to make more money that someone else is going to spend when you're gone. Verse 9 and 10, some of the most miserable people that you'll ever meet are those that want to be rich. They think that being rich will bring them happiness, will bring them contentment. But they don't know 
that the more they have, the more they worry about. The more they have, the more anxious they are. Because the more they have, the more they've got to lose. It's best to live, live simply. Because then you don't have nothing to lose. You don't have to lock the door. You don't have to worry about somebody coming in and stealing all your possessions because you don't have any to steal. You're not going to have any in heaven. Verse 9 is a, a desire for wealth can be like a satanic trap. Beware. Many people, that you know as I know, you go into a 7-Eleven, what, what they used to call 7-Elevens, that was before my time, or a gas station, you know, and you got these people that you're waiting to purchase your gallon of milk and there's somebody in there buying 15 lottery tickets. You ever had that experience? Oh, I love this one, I love that one, I love this one, blah, blah, blah. And one of he's hoping to strike it rich. They spend a small fortune. If they add up all the money they spent on lottery tickets, they could live the life of Riley. They spend a for, small fortune hoping to strike it rich, while others are hoping that some rich relative will pop their socks, as we say in England. I think you call it kicking the bucket, buying the farm. Some rich relatives kick the bucket so they can get rich quick. Right? But there might be like that woman who left all her millions to a cat. Her relatives got nothing. The cat got it all. So they were waiting for her to kick the bucket and they got nothing. The cat got it all. So it says there, the love of money, we've talked about this before. There's nothing wrong with money. He says, but the love of money. Oh, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money that's evil. It's an inanimate object. The love of money. Listen to the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. Whoever loves money Never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. He could never have enough. We've heard about multi-billionaires and their pursuit of money to get more and more and more regardless. They've got more money than most people put together, but they still want to get more. Why? Because money doesn't satisfy. The things of this world do not satisfy. The American dream can become a nightmare without Jesus Christ. Having a beautiful home, nothing wrong with that. But a cold heart. 
extravagant clothing, but godless living. Eating the finest food at the fanciest restaurants, nothing wrong with that if you can afford it, but no hunger for God or his word. So the antidote for the love of money is to replace it with the love for Jesus Christ and his word. He should come first. We live in a society that is constantly searching for satisfaction. They don't know Jesus Christ. They're going to look for it elsewhere. Those of us that were saved later in life, who's lived on both sides of the tracks, we were searching for peace. We were looking things outside of Christ to give us satisfaction. We tried this. We tried that but still we didn't have peace. We weren't satisfied. We came to the conclusion, once we receive Jesus as our Savior, it's only him that brings us true peace and contentment and satisfaction. Amen? That's why we need to focus on him every day. That's why we need to read his word every day. Every day. And to pray, have an attitude of prayer continuously so God is on our minds and in our thoughts because he's in our hearts having fellowship with him each and every day we we can't be too busy for God can we some people are apparently Americans now have more possessions than they've ever had that we're healthier, we're wealthier than we've ever been in any generation in history, probably. But then, probably, the most discontented of all generations. So that proves money, wealth, possessions do not bring happiness. You may have seen the commercials that promotes a specific credit card, which I will not mention because I don't get paid to promote credit cards. (laughs) And the slogan is what's in your wallet? You know that one? What's in your wallet? But the most important question is what's in your heart? Is Jesus in your heart? Not what's in your wallet. You know, maybe some people hearing this message, you know, you're reasonably content in life. You know, before I became a Christian, I was reasonably content. I settled for the things that I had because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. I didn't know the Lord. I was reasonably content. There's millions of people that must be like that. At good health, your needs are being met, you enjoy the good things in life, that's nothing wrong with that. You have a nice family, 
But your contentment is not tied up with godliness. Your contentment is tied up with your circumstances. But God forbid, what will happen if you're suddenly diagnosed with a terminal illness? Or you become paralyzed from an accident or a stroke or you lose your job or you lose a loved one. Any of these unforeseen events could plunge you into despair because you're not living for the eternal. These things do happen. You say, well, it never happened to me. How do you know? You're not living for the eternal. You're living for the temporary. What you can get now. But what about the future? Let me tell you that true contentment only comes from making godliness your priority. After receiving Jesus Christ, as your Savior, and then living for eternity in view. Christians, we need to be living with eternity in view. It's not too late until it's too late. And God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Amen. Others listening to this message may be Christians. But you're caught up in the pursuit of the things of this world. It's easy trap to fall into. But contentment comes from having the right priority. Godliness should be number one priority, not gain. The eternal not the temporal. Paul says, 17 through 9, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in certain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. This is the eternal, listen. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. that they may lay hold on eternal life. That's what's more important than gaining riches in this world. Things that were going to last for eternity. Eternity is how long? Forever. Eternally. None of us can keep the things of this world. 
but we can never lose the, the rewards that God promises. Amen. We're going to lose, we're going to leave everything else behind, but we'll never lose the rewards that God promises us to those that serve him, to those that love him, to those who use their time, their resources in order for him to receive the glory. So if we order our life in line with those truths, then we'll experience true contentment. So let's take to heart the wise advice given to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In 11 and 12, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, Still working on that one. Gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So let us allow God the Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill our soul and control our desire for the pursuit of things, the things of this world that can never truly satisfy us. Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things Things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33 Let's always put Jesus first. Who Paul rightly says, he is the ruler, the potentate, the king of kings, and the lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be glory and honor and everlasting power. Amen. Amen. Let us close in a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you to reminding us that true contentment doesn't come through the possession of material wealth or things. May we, the children of God, make it our priority to put you first in all things, to use our resources, to use what's left of our life in your service. The finances, our resources, our time is a gift from you. Help us to use those gifts wisely to invest in the kingdom of God on earth and for eternity in heaven, which we shall be rewarded if done with the right motive. 
Let us not make the almighty dollar our God and the pursuit of it our priority. But by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, may we be content with the things that we have and make godliness our priority. We cannot do this without your help and we plead for you to do that. Maybe addressing you that are unsaved. You've been pursuing things of this world, thinking that uh, the pursuit of and the attainment of things and money and wealth is going to give you peace and satisfaction. And I'm here to tell you that those things will not satisfy you. They will never bring you peace. Only by receiving Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, as your personal Savior, will you ever know what it's like. So I urge you to call upon Jesus, the Savior, to give you the peace you cannot get in this world. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross and shed his sinless blood to wash away your sins, he suffered and died because he loves you so you wouldn't have to be punished for your sins when you stand before God on judgment day you can be forgiven, but only by receiving the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and three days later he rose again from the dead and he is alive. And if you believe that, then tell somebody you believe it. Get into a, a church where they teach and preach the gospel, they believe the Bible is the word of God and grow in your faith and in the knowledge of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you and I hope to see you soon. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.